Hey, Mystic Michaela spiritual family. Welcome to Know Your Aura with Mystic Michaela. Today, we have empath survivalist Barry Karcher. You may know him from season six of A&E's Alone, a show where they basically stick uh, experienced wilderness survivalists in the Canadian wilderness, I believe, completely alone to survive. He talks about going in through a major ego death, huge spiritual awakening, traveling from the 3D to the 5D. It's raw, it's vulnerable, and I'm so excited to talk to him. Hey, Scotty. Hey, guys. So that's who we have today, Barry. Yeah, and we got him in the green room. Yes, as always. It's interesting because he's chopping down a tree for his shelter. I actually do not know how he got a pine tree is that the type of trees they have in the sure. Canadian wilderness? I believe so. Okay. <laughs> Let's hope I'm right on that. Um, I, I see he's like chewing on an acorn. Yes, that's so what that, they do. That's also interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, they get hungry out there. They do. Uh, yeah, we actually we actually picked up this show. We, we did. Isn't it yeah, weird? Yeah, we happened to catch it. I think we on Netflix, though. I think we watched it on Netflix. Yeah. Um, with Bree. It was very interesting. Uh, and then um, Bree kind of... Left the show though. She, she couldn't left. handle it. Yeah. There was that. Uh, well, the trigger warning. Yeah. It's like a bunny apocalypse. There was a bunny apocalypse. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> like, if you, yeah, a lot of bunnies go. Yeah. One lady was just like getting them like left and right. Like, yeah. here's a bunny. There's a bunny. It was too much. Like, every once in a while, you know, bunny, but it was like she was really good at getting bunnies. Yeah. And uh, we lost Brie. But I, we were rooting for Barry, which is so weird why, why he's on today because that's the one we were kind of rooting for. We were like, oh, come on, Barry. Get it together, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> Catch that fish, Barry. Catch that fish, Barry. <laughs> it was funny. Um, I, I applied for the show, by the way. I, I know I didn't tell you this I, You didn't tell me this. Yeah, I applied to be on the Yeah? Line. Yeah. yeah. You're, I don't know about you in surviving. Well, the reason why- You get why, really, like, you're very uh, sensory issues with the elements. Well, actually, I didn't really apply to it so that I would win. Mm. I didn't really care about winning or because okay. it's like the last man standing or the last woman standing mm-hmm. or the last person standing. Last person standing. Um. I actually applied to it because the title was alone, and here, you know, the kids are always here. Everybody's always here. <laughs> I never do anything alone. It's I have true. the only time I'm alone is, I guess, when I'm sleeping, yeah. kind of. But then I got Abby in the bed there, sometimes. right? Yeah, kids so I'm never alone. So I, what I figured was, I join. Mm. I last probably a day. Okay, but I'd have one day alone. At least you're alone. I'd have one day alone. Yeah, yeah. Like, how would you do? Like, you know, we always watch these as a family. We do have a we do have a thing in our family for the nature shows where they stick people in the wilderness. What would you do? What would be the first thing you did when they dropped you off? Okay. Well, the first thing, uh, hmm. well, the first thing I'd probably go to the bathroom. Okay. Yeah, you'd find a bathroom. I'd find a bathroom. Okay. Which is like my own, you know, the woods. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So that'd be like probably the first you'd be like, thing i do. Okay. Got that squared away. Yeah. <laughs> After that, I probably would like think, oh, great. I'm alone. And that would probably yeah. last like. Three minutes, right? And then I'd then panic would set it. You're like, ooh, I'm hungry. Yeah, like I'm hungry, and they don't give you food. Do they give you food? No, no you food. get nothing. Oh, you yeah, get you to get bring, nothing. I think, like ten items, and that's it. Mm. And then they always tell you like what items they bring. Like I'm bringing this, 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 you know. And then like you know, you bring a, like a fire starter and a knife or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would use all my knowledge of the outdoors, which is basically watching <laughs> Life Below Zero and Alone, right. and that other one. We watch. Naked, oh, and, naked afraid. and afraid. Yeah, and I I try to make that a frame thing that they do where they put like two sticks together and they tie it. Yes, and then they get like leaves and stuff and put and it like over put, it. like a tarp around it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would try to do. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's hard for you to make fires without like lots of things from the car that you set on fire. I right. noticed. Like you. <laughs> so I- 
<laughs> I mean, I have, like, when we went up to Helen, Georgia the, the other week, you know, I had trouble starting a fire with a lighter, lighter yeah. fluid, logs, <laughs> starter logs, all these things. Can, it's you know, true. So, like, I'd be really in trouble. I mean... Well, forget. I wouldn't even go. I wouldn't even try. You wouldn't try, yeah. Well, I, I, I couldn't, no. And I feel like I get so hungry, and I, I get whiny when I'm hungry. And who would I whine to if I were alone? That's true. Yeah. You, maybe the, the squirrels or something like that. I don't know. I'd be like all lonely whining to no one. Yeah. I'm pretty confident I'd be the first one out. But, you know, that's just me. Well, he's a survivalist. Yeah. So he's done this before and he went into it pretty experienced. But this is the type of show that even challenges the experienced people. But what's interesting about Barry is he's very open about how it didn't just challenge him with being hungry and cold and tired and those things. It challenged him like deeply on a spiritual level and really revealed himself to himself so all right well we're gonna hear from him he's getting ready he's again he's chopping the wood eating the acorns uh we have a quick ad from better help and then we're going to talk about empaths in men is that yeah, the yeah so i am really excited always about talking about better help because Listen, mental health is so important for all of us to pay attention to. And, you know, what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be, whatever you need it to be. You can get tools to help with life, with motivation, with depression, anxiety, battling temper, stress, work, insecurity in relationships, whatever you need. It's time to stop being ashamed of these normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. You can join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. See if it's for you because you're your greatest asset. I love hearing from all of you telling me how BetterHelp has helped you and your family members. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Know Your Aura listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash KYA. Again, that's betterhelp H-E-L-P dot com slash K-Y-A. Hey, Scotty. Hey, guys. So today we're talking to Barry, and it got me on the topic of empath men and empath boys. Now, you, you all who watch your, or listen, you're all jaw, your jaws are all going to drop because he has an indigo and yellow aura. Now, I never see this in men. You know, because really the world squashes those colors and especially that combination in little boys before they get to be men. So what's interesting was, and you'll hear me talk about this with Barry because I'm going to bring it up to him. He, when I was looking at his photos, you know, because different photos give me different places in life in somebody's uh, aura history. And I was looking at him before he went on the show and then during the show and then pictures of him recently. It's like looking at different people orically. He's so pure. He's so indigo and yellow right now. And, and honestly, like at the beginning of the show, I couldn't tell what color he was. It was like a mishmash of just splattered energy all over the place made no sense. So that he did all this work. This is why I really wanted to talk to him because the guy did some work, but it is so rare to see an indigo and yellow guy. That's a very high empath combination. Yeah. I mean, this is something that I guess I don't relate to Mm -hmm. myself. You know, I am red blue, but I'm not I'm empathic, but I'm not an empath. Yeah. I don't think I... And, I, and actually, let, you know, let's go back to that part of growing up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, growing up, I don't, I don't remember feeling like kind of like these indigo type feelings that you're talking about. Yeah. So would it be... And the answer is probably yes, as I assume, but 
would it be for empathic boys, boys that do have that blue or that in, a lot of blue or that indigo? Yeah, like indigo purple, purple blue, turquoise, right. like turquoise. all that. Yeah. Do they do they face more challenges? Is are they maybe not as understood as children? Um, is it a tough go for them? Yeah, and yellow boys too. Like anything like yeah. yellow indigo. And if you're yellow indigo at all and you're listening and kind of relate to that, the thing is like the, empa- the that major absorbency, like the indigos, because indigos feel other people's feelings exactly like their own and not just that. They can pick up pain bodies. They can pick up the deep stuff. They can pick right. up the elephants in the room emotionally. And then when you're yellow on top of that, like Barry is and some of you are, you internalize it and want to fix it. So you, you know, because yellows want to fix it. So they're taking all that information in and then they have like ownership of it. So when I see yellow indigo boys or yellow blue boys or just, or blue purple boys or all like the kind of more ruled emotionally colored boys. um, Yeah. What I see is little boys who are very emotional. You know, all the readings I do, I talk to a lot of moms and a lot of boy moms. And I'll see that, you know, every once in a while, or a lot of times, honestly, they have a little empath kid who's extremely sensitive. And this is the kid that comes home from school and can cry, or it's hard for them to express themselves because the emotions are so much, or they don't care so much about being competitive, you know, in sports or whatever. They're more about team playing. They want to be a good friend. You know, the kid on the block takes their scooter. They let them because they know that kid needs it more than they need it or something. So it's like, and because... In our society, we view those things as, oh, my gosh, you got to be a guy. This is not how guys are. What do guys do? They trade punches with each other. They bust each other's balls. You know, like you have to kind of like, no, you know, you you go speak up for yourself. You take that scooter back. This is how you punch. This is how you fight. And that's not the strength of an empath kid. An empath kid's strength is like, okay, this is what I'm feeling. This is why I gave my scooter away because I feel their feelings as my own. And for whatever reason, I felt like they needed it more than I needed to have it. Possession. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. And it's just getting them to explain themselves to themselves at least, like acknowledge it. Right. Like, hey, I sometimes my behavior is altered from other people's needs. Yeah. So, I mean, that, and I, I'm actually ask a follow-up question mm. here. So this might actually fall more on the parents. So meaning like if you have a purple indigo girl, you know, things are probably fine. You know, you're not going to even question that, right? If you're right. a parent, you're like, this is perfectly fine. This is great. Oh, she's, she's a little emotional, whatever. That's totally normal. Yeah. But let's say now you're a parent and you're not, you know, into all this spirituality, you know, like our listeners yeah. are. And I'm, I'm sure our, our parents are, you know, that listen to the show are probably more in tune with this now. Totally, but let's say yeah. you're not. And let's say you have like a really strong red parent. Yeah. You know, this could be problematic. This yes. could actually give the, the boy uh, an authentic aura color. Is oh, that yeah. correct? Yeah. Yeah. So what, what could some parents do that maybe aren't there yet, you know, to help? I feel like... It's, you know, I was just, I had a reading not too long ago and the wife was like, you know, the wife had, I was reading the woman, the mother, and she had a very sensitive boy. And she's like, I don't know how to make my husband understand my kid. And her idea was to make her kid catch up to what her husband's expectations were versus having her husband understand what his son was really about. And I had explained that to her lovingly. I was like, you know, or, you know, through spirit listen, this is how your son is. His strengths are his empathy. His strengths are the fact that he's sensitive. You know, your husband, like her husband was very stuck in his ways, very green. You know, he, he was, had his own issues and whatnot with growing up and how he was expected to be. And 
it was like, listen, like our kids don't change to accommodate your difficult husband. You know, like your husband, even though it's going to be hard on you, has to accommodate the kid. And then we have to work together to be like, hey, I noticed Johnny or whatever that you um, cried a lot today. What is behind that? Why do you feel frustrated? Let's talk about that. That's where the strength is. It's not weak. It's strength to go back and help your kid explain back to you what his challenges are, what he's picking up, what his feelings are. That's where we make a very strong man, you know, through uh, understanding and acknowledging his vulnerabilities and where they come from. So I feel like the first thing is it's, you got to kind of check who you're parenting with. You don't always have control over that. You know, sometimes like in different situations, you can't, you you can't control anybody, but like if you have a spouse that doesn't understand your kid, that can be really hard to deal with. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, but I think it's just, acknowledging the kid, you know, with, with your son, you know, acknowledging them, be like, Hey, does that, you know, I kind of went off. I mean, I just, yeah, that that definitely makes sense. I I just could see that a lot of parents not ever getting this. No, they won't. And like, you know, the kid's going to grow up thinking that they're scatterbrained or weak or they're, or they have to kind of actually overcompensate. That's the thing with boys. Like a lot of times, like listen, testosterone can kick in and they end up overcompensating because they're pissed off that they were treated this way their whole life. So they're going to go self-destructive or they're going to go like the opposite way, be really aggressive and assertive. And it just won't ever feel right on them. Um, Yeah, for sure. And I think that it's interesting because we talk about, obviously it's a man's world. Okay. Like that's the truth. Yes. Um, men, especially white men. Okay. Yeah. They, they, they get further. They do. We all talk well, about that, it. Well, that, I was actually going to bring up that yeah. point for like actually little girls who are the purple indigo. Yeah. They're living authentic then, but then maybe later in life, they actually have to change and go inauthentic yeah. and throw on a red or a yellow. Yeah. Because it, like you said, it's a man's world. Yes. And to get like, maybe the corporate world or yes. something. Now they're throwing on yeah, the red. Flip-flop they flip-flop later. Yeah. yeah later. Yeah, yeah. And I think like with the whole man's world thing, like, yeah, if you, if you abide by the 3d ego society we've created, right. If you fit into that, then it's a man's world. If you're an empath boy, it's not really your world. Right. It's, it's honestly kind of like the more cutthroat 3d version of a man with quotes around it world, like whatever the heck that definition is that's created by our society. So it's not, always is easy for a little empath kiddo to kind of come up into it a guy especially because like he's going into it and and i think that like a lot of boy moms understand this they're like okay like i need to get i need to toughen my kid up for what's to come because people don't give passes to to feelings especially when you're a guy right so i think and and maybe they get more passes to feelings when you're a girl but not really to like that doesn't yeah, yeah. work with no men. no especially at that that age you know <laughs> yeah that you go to like junior high school as a purple indigo boy you're gonna get crushed. like i just you remember crushed, teaching right? like all of us women like every once in a while we'd go into the principal office and just cry yeah. You know, like that was normal. And he right. was like, really, he was like a dad. So he was like, okay, you're okay. It's going to be okay. I can't imagine any guys going in there <laughs> crying. <laughs> but they probably, some of them probably wanted to, but they felt like they couldn't. Right, you know, right. like I feel like, you right. know, there's acceptable behavior, gender appropriated behavior. And really, it's not gender at all. It's like whether you're kind of like an empath or not, um, and more and more ruled that way. So, it's it's something that I feel like there's an awakening in our parenting of of little empath boys where it's like you can cry it's okay it doesn't mean anything except you're just feeling it you're yeah. feeling your feelings but um but what does that do to a kid 
you know, yeah, right. well, you know, what does that do? Right. Especially in, in a household, which I feel like Barry's going to talk about in a household where that was super not supported exactly. at all. And then eventually, I, I guess if let's say you're this purple indigo boy and then, you know, through your childhood, I mean, you don't know it, but you're probably wearing it, let's say an inauthentic red because yeah. of your parents totally. you're just not accepting it. And then later in life, Somehow you have to shed that, right? Yes. Or, or otherwise you you're going to have a that? lot of issues, right? You either do or you don't. Or you either do or and you don't, And then the right? thing is, is sometimes I see a lot of guys wearing inauthentic colors and, you know, their whole life gets built up on something and they get very um, stuck and they feel very detached from what they're doing. And they Because when you're an empath like ruled by those energies, like more empathic. It's not like, like with you, you're red. So sometimes like competition is interesting for you or, you know, winning or things like that. So if you're like, you know, purple indigo or yellow indigo or blue purple, like those things aren't, they don't, that doesn't connect. What connects to you is sometimes going to work and find you make money or you, or you win at something or whatever. But it's really like that you can go home and provide a life for the people around you. Like that feeds you. Or you can use that time and energy to help other people. Like that feeds you. It's not like what, what we think should feed men, like winning and being on top and corner office. Like that's not feeding like an indigo dude, like at all. Like, so it's also being able to get your kids to articulate like, okay, what motivates me? Because it's not the trophy yeah. if you're that if you're those aura colors. It's not the trophy. It's the feeling of camaraderie with people, or it's the feeling of being able to help or reach out or connect. That's the that's the trophy, and just letting them know that that's a great trophy. Either way, whatever you connect to, what's your trophy, and just honoring that. Yeah, I totally agree. Mm. All right. Well, we got two ads, and then we're going to be back with Barry. He's actually built a full shelter. Uh, I don't know how he did it in the 15 minutes since we've been uh, taping. Uh, I actually feel that we need to get him a housewarming gift. Oh. Should we should we get him a housewarming gift? Yeah, like another pot maybe? Yeah. They seem to like pots on that huh. show. Okay. They seem to like pots. They seem to like like fishing line. Fishing Okay, I was going to get him like a plant. You he's know, got maybe, a lot of those. He's got a lot of plants. Yeah, they're all, they're all around. <laughs> maybe a poster of Tyler Cameron? Okay. Okay, maybe that. All right. Every once in a while, I just take a look at my diet and I think to myself, what am I doing? You know, like what, what am I eating? What is wrong with my sugar habits? Um, you know, Saqqara has a clean, plant-rich, ready-to-eat meal plan to nourish your body with whole organic ingredients that retain your palate and help you break up with your sweet tooth for good. It just cleans you up. You nourish yourself and you don't sacrifice taste at all. All. Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. Their organic, ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful plant-based ingredients, and they are designed to minimize your sugar cravings, boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get that skin glowing. Sakara's chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, and dinners are backed by cutting-edge nutrition science to boost your health and stoke your glow, and it's delivered fresh to your door anywhere in the U.S. I mean, it is the best day when it is Sakara day when it comes to my house, and it's like, okay, I am going to be eating good and clean. 
Along with delicious plant-rich meals, Sakara offers daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas to support your nutrition. You can experience their best-selling metabolism super powder and metabolism super bar to control those sugar cravings, reduce bloating, boost energy, and reduce fatigue. Sakara has received rave reviews from Vogue, Goop, The New York Times, and more. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com com slash KYA or enter code KYA at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash KYA to get 20% off your first order. That's Sakara.com slash KYA. Clothes should make you feel confident. It should make you feel good and make you feel like you can do your best in them. And Girlfriend Collective has clothes that do all of that. No matter what you're doing, running, biking, yoga, swimming, sitting on your couch, you look good and you feel good in them. Girlfriend Collective is sustainable, ethically made active wear for everyone. They make cute and comfortable bras, leggings, shorts, tanks, tee, swimsuits, and more. And their sizing is inclusive, ranging from extra, extra small to 6XL. Whether you're working out, running errands, or doing nothing at all. Girlfriend Collective has functional fabrics, colors, and styles for any activity. Their best-selling leggings are squat-proof. Let me tell you, you want that. (laughs) You want squat-proof leggings. Um, They come with pockets, and they have different levels of support, whether you need compression or comfort. They use recycled materials to make their clothing, and their shipping is 100% recyclable as well. And Girlfriend Collective also has a garment take-back program called Regirlfriend. So once you're done loving your pieces, which would be a long time from now because they wear and wash well. You can send them back to be upcycled into new girlfriend gear. Join the collective today. So for listeners of the show, this is great. This is a great deal. For listeners of the show, Girlfriend Collective is offering $25 off your purchase of $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash KYA. That's $25 off $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash KYA. That's girlfriend.com slash KYA. And now let's talk to Barry. Hey, Mystic Michaela Spiritual Family. I am here and so excited to be here with Barry Karcher. Now you may know him from season six of the channel, the History Channels alone. And this was a show, this is so crazy that you're here because this is a show that my family and I during stay-at-home orders and we, out of all the seasons we could have picked, and this was way before I knew I'd ever meet you, um, we picked, we chose season six and we watched it because I think there was something with resonating with the whole alone thing at that time. And man, we got into it. So I'm so excited to have father, men's mental health advocate, nature empath, Barry here. How are you? Better and better. How are you? Thank you. I'm so happy you're here. Yeah. So do you know your aura? Do you know what an aura is? I do. I I believe it's the frequency or energy that each person emits that can often be recognized and color and then sometimes be felt by others. Is that that close? Yeah. Barry. Wow. A plus. Okay. So I have to tell you that the listeners who, um, listen faithfully to my podcast are going to freak out because when I look at you, I see a yellow and indigo aura 
And that is such like a complex aura that a lot of men, I usually don't, I see a lot of boys have it, but I see it usually get squashed out by adulthood in men. And I see it on you, which tells me you're like an emotional fighter. Like you fought to be yourself. That's the first thing I get from you. Um, man, like just, just this, the chills. And, and what's interesting was, I just, you know, leading up to this, obviously watching you on the show and then seeing you right now, it's like looking at two different people. Do you feel like just the show just stripped you down? Did you like, what was there like a before and after? What is that? Does that resonate? That's an absolute understatement. Wow. I almost have amnesia in a way about who, who the other guy was. I've referred to it as whenever I returned from the show, it was like waking up from a coma and somebody going, this is your life. These are your children. This is your, this is your wife. This is what you do for a living. And I sat back and I was like, really, really, that doesn't seem right. And so it was a huge undertaking at that point to, to, to realize what the show had done uh, in regards to completely altering who I was at my core. That gives me chills because looking at you, um, you know, just before, you know, and, and even leading up to the show, because I remember like, you know, the show spotlights you, okay, I'm getting ready to go and whatnot. I can, it's hard to even see your colors back then. It's almost like looking at somebody with so many layers on them, almost like, like when you look at um, stone and you see all the different layers from all the geological time periods, that's what your aura looked like. And now you're just so raw and yourself Um, what's interesting was at the very end of the show, well, I got to back it up. Can you tell us what is this show about? Because not everybody was like me and like, oh my gosh, I'm an alone freak fan. Please tell. So what is the premise of the show? The premise of the show was they take uh, 10 skilled survival individuals, men and women both. And then we place them in very uh, inhospitable locations around the world. Um, we're provided 10 survival items that we get to choose from. And then we are required to self-film our entire survival experience while we're out there existing. Um, We have rules and regulations and things that prohibit us from from truly surviving the way that a lot of us would. Mm. Experiences as close as you can get to an absolute um, uh, isolated and um, a survival scenario as possible without risking your own life. So you stay out there for as long as you can, and the last person to remain uh, in the area wins a half a million dollars. Wow. And you lasted quite a while. You lasted 69 days, is that correct? Yeah, 69 days in isolation. Wow. When I was watching you, well, back to the whole... because. I really appreciate that show in a way because the word alone, I mean, yeah, you self-film. I think a lot of other survival shows, you know, they're, they're alone. But there's a camera person there or, or whatever. And then I always question, I am super not a survivalist at all. I appreciate nature. But I always question sometimes on these shows, like, come on, are they feeding them or something? Because on your show, you know what I mean? Like, you guys are completely alone. And just the, the toll that you see it taking on your bodies being out there, what, is it like, what was the hardest part for you overall with that whole experience being alone for 69 days the hardest part well do understand that as you begin to move from this 
third world or a 3D understanding of your environment, and then you move into a 4D, and then you hit a 5D. There's different phases of hard. Mm-hmm. So beginning in my 3D phase, it was the lack of comforts, the lack of food. It was um, missing my family, missing my ex-wife now, missing my my children, that sort of thing. And then whenever I moved into the 4D, it became less about those things, and it became more about what am I really here for? What am I truly hoping to gain from this situation? And I'm starting to experience a lot of pain from inside. Mm. Do I retreat or do I lean into this process? And then eventually the 5D, what what happened is the 5D, I was already starving. Mm. I had gone uh, over three weeks without food. I had lost over 80 pounds. I had lost over 33% of my body mass. And I was in a 5D world where I was extremely connected to source. I was extremely, uh, I was extremely connected to, to this authentic me. And even though I was starving and I was living in negative 30, negative 40 degree weather, what I became addicted to was the healing that I was experiencing. Wow. I set a pattern for myself where I said, if I wasn't going to win the half a million, I needed to get something out of this. Mm. So what I did was I, I stayed true to my feelings. So if, I, if a feeling arose when I was out there, I didn't do what I used to do. I didn't create those layers to, 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 to build over it. Mm-hmm. I stopped whatever I was doing. I went into my shelter and I meditated. Wow. If that was the abuse of my father, if it was the homelessness, the poverty, if it was whatever, it, the sexual abuse, whatever it was, didn't run from it anymore. And what I began to feel, what I began to understand was even in these moments of, even in these moments of pain and, 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 under, and trying to understand and get to it, boiling down salt water, you're left with salt. That's what I was trying to do. Get to the salt of it. Yeah. What I found was I came out the other side better every time and I got addicted to it. Wow. I didn't care about the starvation. I didn't care about the fact that I was freezing as much as I, I just couldn't wait for the next problem to arise the next emotion to come up, the next thing, the next memory, because whenever you're out there and everything has had the varnish taken off, you no longer are infested with poisons like sugar and uh, social media and all this other kind of stuff. You have absolute clarity. Mm -hmm. So your memories as your body is searching through these near-death moments, because that's what you're experiencing while you're starving and freezing out there. It's trying to make sense of what the hell's happening. It's going through your Rolodex for an answer. Scientists call it a near-death experience. Somebody says, my life flashed before my eyes. It didn't. Your brain's just trying to figure out what the hell is this, it, what, what's this final moment. Yeah. You can't line around a death moment. So I was going through these death moments and really enjoying coming up the other side still alive, but going through these trauma reenactments that came with full audio, full video, uh, even smell sometimes. You, I was, again, that six-year-old. Mm being, you know, that it was again, that 10 year old. I was, so as I progressed through my mental understanding of the world I was living in, it freed me mm. to go ahead and explore the things that I have built, had built a lot of those layers over. Yeah. So the hardest part for me was leaving, Wow. leaving this thing that was killing me physically but was healing me on levels that I, I never knew would be feasibly possible. So that was the hardest part, I think, was whenever I realized that that was coming to an end. I was going to have to now return to a society, you know, and, um, and have to uh, balance those tasks. 
I'm just sliding in here to mention a product that has been at the top of my list this week, Genexa, we've been using because my daughter just got braces and we've been eating a lot of pain reliever for her. But here's some news about your medicine cabinet that might make you feel a little sick. Those brands you've been turning to for decades are filled with unnecessary chemicals, but Genexa makes medicine with the active ingredients you need minus the artificial ones you don't. Genexa was founded by two dads on a mission to make clean medicines. Genexa medicine has the same effective active ingredients you need without unnecessary artificial dyes, preservatives, and fillers. Whether you need to manage pain, allergies, or just the common cold, Genexa treats the same symptoms as the leading brands. They have everyday essential medicines for adults, kids, and infants that cover a variety of health issues, so your whole family is covered. Genexa has a huge network of healthcare professionals across the U.S. helping patients and their family join this clean medicine revolution. It's a real medicine made clean, does everything that you need it to do, and it's clean. So start cleaning out your medicine cabinet today, go to genexa.com slash KYA for 20% off your first purchase. Go to genexa.com slash KYA for 20% off your first purchase. That's genexa.com slash KYA. It might be happening for you every month. You get those credit card statements in the mail and you just leave it unopened on the table. Every time you pass, you feel that feeling that dread in the pit of your stomach. You know, it can feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of debt, but Upstart can help you make that final payment so you can get ahead. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment. Upstart knows you're more than just your credit score and is expanding access to affordable credit. Unlike other lenders, Upstart considers your income and current employment to find you a smarter rate for your loan. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate up front for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan, and you can lose that not-so-great feeling in the pit of your stomach. So find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash KYA. That's upstart.com slash KYA. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. We appreciate that. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash KYA. There's so much there. Like, I think the most... If anybody watches one episode of your season, the one episode when they tell you it's time to go home because they, they told you you had to go home because of, it was like medical, right? Yeah. And yeah, you were right. you were like, you, I can do it. I can, and they were like, no, you have to. If anybody in that episode, I was crying hysterically because, and I don't know you, <laughs> this is the first time we met, but like just seeing you at the beginning, so layered. So, and then in that moment, even though like, obviously you're unhealthy, you know, physically, obviously your body's suffering, you were so beautiful. Like your aura was so, it's like there he is. There is that yellow indigo man. And like I said, I never see that color on men. So that you're going to be, that you're doing this work right now of being a men's mental health advocate. I think that is your light work. 
And it's something that you were primed to do because indigos, just to kind of, um, if you're not familiar with indigos, it's like the ultimate empath. So I feel like you have this ability to pick up other people's feelings and emotions and as your own and pick up pain bodies on people. Um, and especially since you've experienced major trauma yourself, you can pick that up on other people. And then with your yellow, I see the scaffolding. Like you're able to organize, you're able to set up, you're able to, uh, you know, put it together in a way that other people can handle or, or understand, teach, you can teach. And, but the way that the yellow used to be on you feels like a perfectionist or that you, and the indigo used to take on other people the blame that they should have had. I feel like you were, you used to hold a lot. So I think it's interesting when in that moment, when they're like, Hey, you got to go home and and you're start, you're starving and, but you're you. (laughs) And so what somebody did to you that you got to cut through all that and the brutal way that you had to do that to get there. I mean, that's, that's work. I mean, on every level possible. And it's interesting that you could show us that and you could be so vulnerable about it. Um, yeah. So I think that like just looking at you and looking at you now, it it does look like two different people, which is amazing to me. <laughs> you know, um, a lot of my life, a lot of my life was, was spent trying to protect the, the little boy mm. that I, that I, that, so I have like this table mm-hmm. inside and people sit at this table, right? And in, at the table, I have my inner child. My inner child, though, sits in my lap now. You know, he's right here with me. And then I have the old version of me on my deathbed. And then I have like a, a, a personal figure that represents the universe. And these are where I get my, I guess I, get, I, guess I say my grounding and in, 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 in the advice I seek within myself. My whole life was spent about creating this exterior that would protect that little boy. Mm. So, the tattoos, uh, being 240 pounds of muscle and the mohawk and the giant beard and the, 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 the gaze. <laughs> That's a good gaze. That's a good one. Now, Barry. <laughs> you can keep it. Yeah. <laughs> you do that. You do these things and you do them subconsciously realizing that you're, you're just trying to protect that thing that you never could protect. Mm. And it's not that way anymore. Yeah. My child sits in my lap. I bring him out to play with me. He meets the people I meet. He experiences the things I experience. We look at each other. We smile. We tell each other we love each other. There's, I know it sounds kooky, but there is, there's this relationship that I have with me and what a lot of people and what a lot of people I hope will be able to take away from my message is that, Whenever you begin to do this, you're going to outgrow a lot of people, mm-hmm. uh, situations, a lot of places. And you're going to find that you, a lot of that is what prevents people from going ahead and bringing their inner child out or going ahead and healing. Because they're going to have to say goodbye to relationships, to people, to things that have been built to protect their ego. And... My goal is to help, hopefully, men and women alike, but men, because I feel like I have better a better understanding, um, is to help them understand that if we can dissolve that ego, you will have a far more, a far greater sense of gratitude and appreciation and a place in this world. 
whenever we build up all these layers to present ourselves as something to the world, we, we end up nurturing and refining this facade. And I, I got, I was really freaking good at it. Yeah. I was really good. And it was the empath in me. Mm. We recognized somebody had a feeling or felt a way and I could adjust. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yes. But only, only to adjust to capitalize on my benefit. The old me was such a damaged, scared man with a little boy inside. Mm. That's all he was. He was just trying to protect that little boy in the way he knew how. And he would, and he would do it almost not by any means necessary, but he, he had very little regard for human emotion. Had the wake of destruction that I left behind me. I had very little concern about it. This, you know, screw them. It was such a horrible, I couldn't imagine going to my death, clutching that avatar, you know, holding this facade, just my final moments. I mean, it, it, looking back on it, I just wasted a lot of time. But it was necessary. It was necessary. And it's necessary because, like, you need that time so you can relate to people going through it currently in, in, you know, in such a vulnerable way. Like, hey, I was there too. Like, there's nothing anybody can tell you that you don't relate to or judge or anything because you've been there, you know? Yeah, that's one thing I have found is one of the worst things a therapist can ever tell somebody is I've been there too. Mm. Like, don't do that. Like, <laughs> first, of all, first of all, you haven't. It's not the same shoe. It's not the same road. It's not the same blood in the same mud. It's not. The worst thing you can tell somebody is I've been there. That's not true. Um, I know it better than anybody. I went through an experience that less than 1% of the population of the world will ever experience. Mm-hmm. So somebody says, oh, yeah, I know what it's like to be hungry. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, or or somebody says, I'm freezing. And you're like. It's like, no, well, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that's funny. One of the worst things you can do is just say you know what they're talking about. Right. You don't. But I feel what you're saying. Yeah, you know, but your yeah. journey gives you perspective. A, a perspective. Yeah. I think the biggest perspective I try to keep in mind is that I mean, ultimately it's all temporary. You know, this, all this, all this collapsing wave function, this this 3D slit experiment that we're living in, or this, you know, this it's all it is. It's, it's just... Um, it's a, it's a place for us to exercise. That's all it is. Exercise our, our true power, our true strength. The classroom. Um, I find it so interesting that to find the 5D, you went on like television. You know what I mean? Like it's such a metaphor to me, what you went through talking about like stripping yourself down, like you metaphorically stripped yourself down to like, like you said, you lost 80 pounds, you know, you had no comforts, you had no food, you had no nothing. And then, and then that it's interesting. Cause I always feel like the body is a metaphor in a lot of ways. So putting yourself through that, you know, was, it was the thing that was the catalyst for putting your, your soul through that. I think that's interesting. And I always find it, I find it interesting that it was on this like stage, you know, the stage for people who are probably coming, oh, just, you know, entertainment, just watching TV tonight or whatever. And it's like, oh no, this is deep. This is deeper. This is deep, you know, like this is like, and I think that's something about your story that touched me and we don't have to go into it if you're not comfortable, but like, I know your dad passed, right? Cause I get, yeah. And I feel just like, carrying and this was one of the things just when I was watching the show and just feeling your journey like just dropping the weight of what 
he should have said sorry for or what he should have apologized for or whatever that is between you. You just drop it. You're not holding that for him anymore. And I felt like it was just something cathartic that I wonder if other people experienced when they were watching your experience, if it was a catalyst for them. Do you get messages like that from people? Oh, yeah, a lot, actually. Um, <clears throat> we as men, the majority of our problems are because we have we have fathers who have perpetuated a, a cycle. Um, so what I was able to do in the time of my understanding was I, I was able to explore my father mm. deeply at no distractions. I explored what I knew of his past. I explored all the stories that I'd ever heard or been told about him. And what I what I what I really came to understand was he 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 wasn't a very smart man. Um, he was a man who got by kind of being sly most of his life. wasn't highly educated. Um, he came from poverty. He came from a situation where he was forced to be a man at a very very young age. So a lot of his childhood was diminished and and, and wasn't wasn't around. Um, had a stepfather who was extremely abusive because he was he, because he came from a strong German heritage, which, you know, kind of uh, spare the rod, spoil the child in a way. So as I began to explore and, and not just not just point a finger and, and go, uh, "Woe is me, why?" What I became to under, what I came to understand is, I feel sorry for him. Mm. I wish I, I wish I could have I wish I could have helped him. I wish I could have. I wish I could have helped guide him to release some of the things he needed to let go of too. Mm-hmm. Not because it would have made me feel better, but because, because he died clutching this facade, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so whenever you begin to explore the demons, you take their masks off. You begin to see they're just simple creatures that really didn't, didn't have the tools to properly succeed in a world that needs love, needs caring, needs understanding, needs a hug every now and again. They just didn't have those tools. Mm. So it's, it's a thing that um, as I began to explore the demon, took the mask off, I realized uh, it didn't have as much power as I thought it did. It was just I had, due to my youth, dressed it up uh, because the abuse was real. The sexual abuse, the physical violence abuse, all of that was very, very real. But I just understand, I understand the demon. And whenever you do that, um, it just sits down wow. and it shuts up. You know, it just, it, it kind of realizes it's, it's been, it's been caught. You know? When you name it, it loses its power a bit. And then you're not, like, I think too, what you're saying, it's just resonant. I don't know. Like when you're not angry anymore, like what's underneath that, you know? And it's just kind of like, oh, I'm sad. I'm sad for them. And, and that's, but then you have to move on, you know, like, and that's, that's hard for people. Sometimes they don't want to move on. They want to stay angry. That's what the varnish is about. Mm -hmm. The anger is a varnish. The, The anger varnishes the memory. So you can, so you can look at it. Yeah. Like that. Wow. So you really need to start stripping stripping your feelings out of it. Neutrality is one of the greatest things that I've taken away from the show. What does that Neutral- mean? What's good, what's bad? Mm-hmm. What's good, what's bad? You know, like uh, Miss Rice told me a story about a, about a farmer, right? And this farmer um, uh, has a horse that gets out and runs away. His neighbor comes to him and goes, oh, that's, that's bad. You know, your horses took off. He goes, well, what's good? What's bad? 
Next day, horse comes back. Horse comes back with thirteen wild horses. Runs them right into the corral. He goes, "Oh my gosh!" The neighbor goes, "Look at all those horses. That's incredible. What? That's great. That's good." And the old farmer goes, "What's good? What's bad?" Thirteen horses end up being too much for him and his son to handle. Son breaks his arm. Now the husband, had, the, the father, has to do it all alone. Neighbor comes up and goes, "What's good? That's that's bad." He goes, "What's good? What's bad?" Next day, army comes through recruiting all eligible children, all eligible men for war. Son has a broken arm. What's good? What's bad? So a sense of neutrality in your life where if you can step way, way, way back into a 5D world and you can look at it almost as if it's a almost as if it's a it's a large mirror. Right. And the person you're speaking with is just giving you information you're needing or information that you've been requesting or wishing for. Don't look at it from a, from a state of ego. Hear it. Recognize this may be a, a message from the universe. Process it. And then trust your heart to guide you through it. That's your internal GPS system. So that's my process. Whenever I, I, I like to stay in a 5D world because whenever I don't, I miss the messages. I miss the giant road signs that the universe right in front of me. Because 3D also, I think, means three inches in front of your face. (laughs) That is a cool way to say it. I like that. People live, you know, these three inches in front of their face. So, yeah, it's a a state that takes a while to get to. But whenever you you really can't imagine dropping back down into those worlds of 3D and 4D, it it doesn't feel good. It feels like a suit of armor that's two sizes too small. Yeah, that's what I say too. It's like a shoe that doesn't fit anymore, like that. Yeah. It used to serve you now, putting it on is you can't breathe. Yeah, that's true. You're right. That's how I describe it, the the shoe thing. But I like the armor thing. That's cool. Uh, Well, because 3D, I feel 3D is very much about protecting our ego Mm -hmm. and about our, 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 our connection to the, the physical world. And, um, you know, and a lot of people stay there because it, it, to, to move out of it requires growth and acceptance. And that also means, like I said, leaving situations, people and yeah. scenarios. And that's what I was going to get to next because, well, you're a dad. How many kids? You have four children, right? Uh, I do. I have oh four. Oh my all. gosh. You're busy daddy. And then, so how has your life changed? Because yeah, this is like the new Barry. Like, you know, and I have to say, you do have... <laughs> Like when we were watching, because I watched it with my kids and they're uh, 12, I think they were 11 and five at the time. Cause it was last year when we were watching it and they're like, we like Barry, Barry's cause you're fun. You know, you're like dad vibes, you know, all that you're goofy on the, you know, and so they, everybody wanted you to win. But anyways, but how, so I'm sure there's been a perception, not from your kids, your kids are like, you know, you're always dad, you know, but like the people around you, like how has that shifted? Cause you aren't the same, you know, and, and talking about all this and, and being open, how have people reacted to that? Well, I want to, I want to back up and help the, the uh, listeners kind of understand a couple of things. Okay. So I've, I've lived two lives. Um, I was a father at 14 years old. Wow. Wow. I was a father at 14 years old with my daughter, Amy. Um, and that was a very long, hard road mm. that I had to take, um, um, because I chose to see it through. Um, uh, everybody expected me to, you know, to be a failure and I just wanted to prove them all wrong. You know? Yeah. You're too yellow for that. You're perfect. There's no way you're not dropping that. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I said, okay, well, that's fine. So I, I became a father. And then, um, and then I had a scenario where, um, I had my son, um, when I was 20, I think 20, yep. 20. And that was it for me. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. <That's> good. <laughs> You're like, I'm tired now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because I've been a father longer than I haven't been. Wow. So, um, so, and then I, uh, and then I met my wife and, uh, we decided it would be a good idea to, to go ahead and blend some jeans and make babies. <laughs> and, uh, we had our, our daughter and our, our baby, uh, daughter and, and our son who are five and three. So you have to understand they are getting two completely different human beings. Um, yeah, especially your, your, your son. Yeah. Your son and your, 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 from your first relationship, your son and your daughter, that's yeah. So they know different dads. Yeah. Different people. No, they don't know me. They don't know this father. I have the old me created such space mm-hmm. and such, uh, such a, uh, a distaste for my type of parenting and my type of advice giving. Like just yesterday, my daughter just posted a uh, posted a Facebook post mm-hmm. that stated one of the things that I said when I was the old me. Mm-hmm. I told her that uh, I, I said that her life was mediocre. Mm-hmm. I said, "What are you doing? You know, you're serving pizzas and you're almost thirty. Like." Uh, that was a person of me that was coming from a place of knowing her true potential, wanting him to see it used and also being worried about her future. Very 3d 5d me looks at it now and goes groovy. Yeah. Are you happy? Yeah. It ultimately, it doesn't affect me and who knows, maybe next go around, you'll be the parent. I don't know, you know, like, (laughs) you know, but they don't have that side of me. They have the old me who's still angry and upset and using words that I've words that I said from a 3D place to move them through a 3D world. It's hard to mend those bridges. It's hard to mend those bridges because there's also a little bit of hesitation even in myself. Um, because there is also the admittance that I was a shit father, you know, in that way. I put too much pressure. I set a standard that might have been a little too impossible. Just because I can do something doesn't mean everybody else can. And just because they carry my bloodline doesn't mean that they should be able to do it or want to do it or be that. It's so ridiculous the way I used to think. It's just a joke. But I've unfortunately, um, it's going to take a little bit more time as I continue my healing. Uh, coming out of the show was the hardest thing I've ever done because I had to come back to a world that didn't understand me and I didn't understand anymore. Like I had a very large understanding that like two to 3 million children will starve to death that year. Mm. I had to take the garbage out on the Tuesday. Yeah. You know? It's hard and to it, exist with that. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Like, but we all, we all just move through life with this absolute acceptable loss. Mm-hmm. We do. We go through life all talking 5d and we're so in the zone and, but children are dying. <laughs> so yeah. I don't, I I, I I know it will take some time as I continue to move through because I started therapy immediately when I came out. Yeah. Oh, did you? That, that was smart. I'm still in therapy. I go to therapy weekly. It's oh, yeah. The therapy's best. great. Yeah. God, hands down. <laughs> the best thing I ever did for myself. Yeah, you get to therapy. Yeah. So, yeah. No. So, you know, unfortunately, I have I have young children who are catching the side of me that tells them to believe and, and do their thing and love is the goal and do it out of love, follow your heart. And then I have the children who are already 30, mm-hmm. already you know, mid twenties mm-hmm. who 
who I set a standard of, well, if I can run a 50 K you can too. If I can, what are you doing? You know, it's just nonsense. That's interesting because I think a lot of listeners are dealing with things like this and that you're just talking about, like, it's, it's like, why do we hold on the shame? You know, like it, it, we're, we're humans raising humans. I mean, you were a kid, you know, and, and you don't use that as an excuse at all. Like I can tell, like you're extremely like, no, I want to own up to it. I want to heal. I want to be better for them or whatnot. But how, if you could give anybody advice, if they're going through kind of a similar thing with their children, like how do you navigate just owning it, but also keeping the love and keeping also a, you know, a, a mutual respect going? Like how have you approached that with them? Well, I think, okay, I think the big thing is just to admit that you don't know it all, man. Like, I am a human that's also trying to figure things out, and I'm still making bad decisions. I mean, like, you know, like, I am not the best with with money. I just don't give it the value most people do. Yeah. Like, I used to. I used to. I was the only, like, the paper chase was on for me. But I wasn't making six figures. I was a, I was failing. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, like, if I have nine dollars and I want a seven dollar milkshake, I'm gonna have a seven dollar milkshake. Five D says, <laughs> "Milkshake will get more money." Just right. get we'll manifest that. That's okay. That's I do. Right? That's how I live my life. I right. manifest very, very well. Yeah. So I, I think the best thing that I would say is if you're gonna if you're gonna speak to your children, drop your ego, mm. use I statements, and just admit that you fricked up yeah well i goofed it was my bad yeah i goofed sorry you know, yeah maybe between the both of us we can come up with a better idea but the tools that i had and the way that i was succeeding and manifesting in my life at the time pointed to that this was the this was the direction that you should be taking yeah it was working for me so follow it you, everybody makes a makes millions off of this right mm-hmm. like i got a I know how to open a business Buy my DVD and you'll, you'll know too. Like I just didn't have the best answers. So just tell them. Say I was working with what I had and what I had wasn't the best. And we now both have more information. And how, what do you say? We just work as a unit of team yeah. as opposed to me being this parent, because there is, there's this very sad moment in, in all of our lives whenever we do realize that our parents really don't know more than we do. You're so Right. Like there's, there's a, what the day you realize like, man, they're human like me. A, yeah. There's a death inside of you that happened mm-hmm. because there was this person who you, A, was protected you from the world. They, they provide this bumper, right? Against all the horrible things. And, and when you need information, you can go to them, but there does come a point in your life where your parents kind of cap out with shit and you realize, damn, I don't know any, they don't even really know any more than I do. Right. And that's a scary freaking moment. Yeah. We all have that moment. We approach it and it happens and we go, holy shit, I may have to figure this one out on my own. Yeah. So that's when I think we have two roads we can take, right? As, as young adults, we go, okay, this is exciting. I'm just going to give it my best shot. And, and hopefully information that I've gathered throughout my life will get me through it. Or there's the other ones who just completely shelter off. They don't take chances. They don't take opportunities. They do it. They go the safe path. They clutch their avatar. They defend their ego and they build this, this life that protects this, this path. That's not their true path. You know, um, I, I have found very little in between whenever we come to that point. Yeah. We play it safe or we jump, we jump ship. Yeah. You know, I don't know, but yeah, whenever you come to that point, it's, it's, it'll be a good thing for your kids. It'll be a good thing for your kids to have that. Oh shit moment. Because they're going to have it one day too. 
with their yeah. in their own life. Like, wait. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, but but I mean, like, if you're going to have an oh shit moment, it's good to have an oh shit moment. Like, if the world, if the Astro was about to hit right now, I would want to be clutching those that I love. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Same thing. Right. If, if you're going to be hit with a hit with something, it's best to have that person there. Yeah, with you and like yeah. admitting it's happening. It out on the side of the road with a flat tire. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Um, I often see like yellow people like yourself are very hard on themselves, like more hard than anybody else. I used to, I used to be very are, hard. On have you gotten more patient with yourself? Oh yeah. I, okay. So, well, first of all, I am dealing with my inner kid, my inner child. I'm, if I make a goof at work, we laugh about it. <laughs> if I, if I trip and fall and, or I drop something, we giggle. Like it's not the same anymore. I can't be hard on myself with a little me. Okay, so one of the best I bits like of that. Infor- I like that. Yeah. One of the best bits of information I've been given is we are our are we are horrible the way we speak to ourselves. Yes. The way we we would never speak to another human being the way we speak to ourselves. So one of the best bits of advice I was given was take the five year old you, set him down in front of you, whenever you begin to speak to yourself. And tell me your freaking tone, your the verbiage, all of it will change. Mm. So if you if you stop getting hard on yourself because you feel at this age you should be doing everything perfect and not making mistakes, it, <laughs> good luck. You're gonna die early with wrinkles and shit. It's gonna be horrible. <laughs> Don't stress yourself out. Like have that milkshake and talk to your five year old self. Yeah, baby, wusa. Think about that. Whenever you begin to, to, whenever you have something hard that's forthcoming or whenever something is hard is happening or whenever you're not maybe firing on all cylinders that day, just sit, sit down your inner child or your inner, inner kid and start encouraging them and tell me you don't feel better. Tell me you don't, start telling yourself, I love you and mean it. Like literally tell that little child, tell the five-year-old you that you love you. I swear to goodness, you'll start to have this connection, this healing process that begins to happen and what you're going to realize is the thing that I've come to realize. I nearly died for my peace. Yeah. Yes. I nearly died for this human being that is vulnerable, open, and loving. I, I, so I will protect it with the same, the same ferocity mm. that I would that I would have protected the other ego. Because this little the, one, yeah, this little one the, inside. Yeah. But I do it. I just. But I do that because I, I've come so far, and I've, 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 I've had to let go of so much, and mm. you know, uh, I even still like to feel like the old me still in the Arctic, man, still trying to catch fish, you know. And yeah. So for me, I, I nearly died for this piece, and so I'm going to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna protect it, and 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 that has that has forced me to make some very hard decisions, like mm. ending my marriage, mm. like, um, you know, a lot of hard decisions. Hard. Quitting my career, just quitting my career. Say, like, I don't want to do that. Anymore. It just wasn't. It wasn't aligned to you anymore. No. And you want to be real to the people that you love. Even, yeah, well, yeah. My wife, my ex-wife, asked me. She was, well, "What are you going to do?" And I said, "I want to work with my hands. I've spent most of my life working how to tear something down, like working in security, working in uh, Krav Maga, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Taekwondo, Karate, wow. fighting in the streets." Like fighting in the streets, street suspensions from school. I've been fighting all my life, right? Yeah. Like I was, I, I perfected this ability to tear things down. One eighty. I come home. I want to be a carpenter. I'm a handyman. I love, oh, I love that. Yeah. 
I build things now. I, I heal things. I go to place people's homes where things aren't working and I fix them. It's not, it's not the same. And I don't even care about the money. It's so, I mean, like right now I'll be, I'll confess hundred percent. It's a choice, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm living a bohemian lifestyle. I'm living out of my truck. <laughs> That's okay though. Cause you're, yeah, you're, so you're, you're connecting to, uh, you know, I, I like what you're saying. Like you're building instead of destructing because I just always try to relate things back to the aura. Like, you know, be you being an organized thinker, you learned how to organize your trauma into destruction. And now you're organizing your healing into re- rebirth and how beautiful that you can go around and create rebirth in a million little places for people, maybe making something look beautiful in their home or make something work nice again. And I love that. Like it, and it gives people a feeling of safety and healing and happy. And, and you can, you can share that. Oh, the side effect is that I have made so many beautiful connections. Oh, man. I love that. <laughs> so cool, man. Like I have made, uh, just being, being my authentic self has brought so much beauty and love in my life. God, Barry, uh, love it's really amazing. <laughs> I hope everyone's like husband or boyfriend or, because, you know, I do a lot of readings and the number one thing I'll see is exactly what you're talking about, like the, the Barry before a lot of people are married or dating or their son is or their brother is the berry before like that. And I think in our culture, in our society, a lot of emphasis is placed on, hey, if you're macho and you make money and you're Mr. Man or whatever, you're successful. And you're telling us, no, I found myself. I'm good to myself. I love myself. And and the beauty is, is that now I'm successful, you know, in making these like, and I feel like that is so necessary for men to hear because there's such a pressure on fathers and sons and, and brothers and, and husbands to be something that well, they're I'll, not. I'll tell you a social truth. And it's, it's been said by numerous, numerous famous people uh, as a comedy bit. And it is absolutely true. Only men and only women and dogs get be- treated better than men. It's, it's it's a hard fact. We we if we are not a provider mm. in the way that our significant other views being provided for, we have no value. Yeah. We have no value. If we come home and we try and talk about how hard our day is or if I wanted to talk about Today was hard because a few things triggered the abuse that I had as a child. Tell me what what man comes home, says that. None. I'll tell you why. None of them feel safe enough to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. We have have ran into a history of people weaponizing our truths. We we as men have ran into a history of uh, loved ones using using facts about things that have destroyed us in arguments just to push buttons. This is, there's a history of, uh, that I can go on and on about. We're, we're dying at three times the suicide rates as women. We're dropping of heart attacks at like four times the rate of women. We, like, the stress and the pressures, this is why I, why I, I, this is why I focus on men's mental health. Mm, yeah. It's because I realize we don't have a voice. We don't have a lot of people who are man's men. I can go out and survive in the wilderness longer than most men I know. But I can also come right into a room and talk about my sexual abuse, my child abuse, my, my mental abuse, all of the abuse. I can do that with no problem. 
That's all I want men to be able to understand. Shame dies when, lie, when, when secrets are told in safe places. If we can start creating safe spaces for men to start talking about these shames that we're, because we're meant to feel shamed about having these feelings or these opinions or these thoughts, you will start to see a change and a shift in men's dynamics. We talk a lot about toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. Nobody talks about the source. Everybody has an opinion about the symptom, but not the cause. Why are we, why as men do we have these microaggressions? Why as men do we feel these needs to have these toxic traits? Don't just be pissed off about it. Let's just figure out, let's start talking about why men are, are pivoting on these moments and acting this way. And the reason is because there's, there aren't enough safe places for men to talk about these things. We are building egos to defend our traumas. Wow. That's so hard to understand. Like, I don't understand why we're, why we're, why we're dogged for it. Well, I think a lot of moms of boys who are listening right now completely are terrified of what society is going to do to their little boy. Cause I, yes. like I said, I see a lot of, cause like when I do readings, they're just auras, just auras. The, the, it changes and men get shaped. I mean, everybody gets shaped, you know, like trauma shapes everybody, you know, but like, I just see that with little boys. Well, the thing, the thing about it is that we have, we have fathers who, who are refusing to end uh, toxic cycles in their bloodlines. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, we have fathers who have the excuse, well, that's why I was raised. Yeah. No. Bull, man, you can switch that. You can you can flip it. You can create a healthier. And I feel there is no greater calling in my life, aside from being a father, than to heal the traumas in my bloodline. Mm. That is my greatest. That is my if if I can do that, if I can if I can squash the traumas in my bloodline, I will feel I have been a, I will feel I have been a good human being, and that my time here was 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 of healing. That's good work. It is good work. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's vital work. It's important work because people talk all the time about our generations or the kids or the future. Really? Really? Well, let's boil down the salt water. <laughs> when was the last time you told them that? <laughs> you know, like yeah. when was the last time that was expressed in the home openly? When was the last time that was expressed out, outside of the home openly? Yeah. You know, it's, it's something that I understand because I grew up in the household that a lot of men grew up in. Violence in the household, domestic violence in the household. I grew up in it. I, I get it. What I'm telling them is we it's bullshit. You're not a product of it. And you can be a champion for squashing it and crushing it and just getting rid of it yeah. out of your entire bloodline. Take power <laughs> in your emotions, your vulnerability, your strengths to admit things, feel safe. Um nature. Nature and healing. I wanted to just kind of like touch on this before we end. How, you know, you're talking about healing trauma, healing ancestral. Would you connect to your ancestors? Like when you are in nature, how does that, how do you feel when you're out there connecting? Weightless. Wow. I move through the forest like it's mine. Mm. It knows me. I know it. I feel like word has traveled from the Arctic. I feel sometimes when I walk into the forest, the forest gives me a nod of respect. And I likewise give it respect. I'm a steward to the land. Nature does not always provide. Don't let anybody ever tell you that. 
but it doesn't provide 3D all the time. If you're going for more, if you're hungry for more and thirsting for more, it can provide it. I connect with my ancestors every time I make a friction fire and blow an ember to life. I connect with my ancestors every time I take my shoes off and walk barefoot through a creek. I see it in the sunsets and sunrises. I hear it in the trees. Yeah. Wow. It's really beautiful. I mean, I just feel you when you talk about it. I'm thanks. And thank you. Thank you for letting me feel that because I feel like a lot of us miss that, you know, miss that connection. Um, thank you so much, Barry. Where can we find you, please? Where can we find what you're talking about? Where can we find you talking more? Tell us. Right. Well, um, I'm working right now with a, with a wonderful gentleman by the name of Rick Castillo out of Anchorage, Alaska. I'll be working with him trying to create a nonprofit right now um, where I'm going to be assisting in taking men into the woods and stripping them of everything. We go out with a knife. That's it. And we're going to make a go of it. And I'm going to get you back to what matters. So be looking for that. That is going to be a very, very large step in, uh, in a direction that, that I feel will be very, very filling in my heart. Um, I've also, I've been working heavily on my acting. Um, it's something I like. It's something that, you know, people always talk about trading their time. So if I had to trade my time for something, I think acting would be fun. Being able to be other people and I glean from that person, that being that person or being that character. What can I learn about myself exploring this role or that role? That sounds so cool. Like using the gaze, right? You got that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I yeah, like so- it. That's good. <laughs> um, but also too, um, all of my social media is the Instagram, Barry Karcher, and then that sort of thing. You can find me there. But really, I, I, I'm really just going with the flow. And I'm following a path that is completely healing and, fe- and, and, and fulfilling. So I, who knows where I'll be? That's, I guess I could say, who knows what's next for Barry. But if you follow me, you'll, have, uh, you'll definitely have a heads up on, on those things that are forthcoming. I think we all should do that and watch you help us all boil down to the salt. Is that what you say? Well, like you boil down salt water, you're left with salt. Left Here's, with salt. The salt. Here's the salt of the issue. Is Let's all get all our salt. Thank you so much, Barry. I appreciate you. You. you take care. Bye-bye. This podcast is for you and about you. I'm so glad that you spent some time with me today. You all take care. If you want to be the most interesting person at the cocktail party, well, hop on over and listen to the Brain Candy Podcast. Our award-winning content will have you laughing while you're learning. We read all the best articles, books, and studies, and keep up with new TV shows, documentaries, and pop culture. And then we cram it all into two shows a week. Conspiracy theories, cannibal rabbits, unsolved mysteries, the history of the Walkman. There's something for everyone. The Brain Candy Podcast. Find our link in the show notes. Or simply search for the Brain Candy Podcast on your podcast app.